Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Are we there yet? Yeah. No, unfortunately. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me tonight is Morgana. Tonight we're welcoming Chad Redding and Tim Renner, and they are coming to talk with us about the 300th episode of Strange Familiars, which is called The Witch Cloud. So, Hello. Hello, thanks for having us. Hey, what's up? Uh, not a lot. What's up with you? Mm, tried to keep up with my son on a hike today. That was a mistake. <laughs> How old is he now? He, he's just about 18. It's not quite yeah. 18 yeah. on New Year's. And yeah. He goes up hills like a goat, and I go up hills like a 51-year-old man. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. Not everybody has to be Kate Bush running up the hill doing the thing. You, it's it's all good. So I also, I listened to and I read The Witch Cloud. And what stuck out to me the most, well, okay, a lot of things stuck out to me the most. So I guess I shouldn't phrase it like that. But I was wondering about vampiric entities and if that ho- that sort of thing happens to you guys often, or was this if that's just a new one thing? Off? As far as I know, this has been it, Chad. Yeah, this is this was definitely the first time that this has happened to us, and uh, in all the places that we've been, I don't. There have been times I've been drained, but that was mostly doing at SD sessions, mm-hmm. but never never like this. I was never like sick like it was during this okay because i i have never personally experienced something like that i know i've heard about it a lot of times in a lot of different places you know there being a bad entity that like feeds off of you and i know all of the vampiric vampire legends you know crop up and they're definitely a folkloric thing um, but I thought your idea of that draining you guys' energy to not make the cold spot, but that energy drain manifesting is feeling cold was really interesting. Yeah, that was all Chad. He totally, <laughs> like, I think that was the first night we were there because we went to a different place afterward and we were, we had some time to talk. Um, we went to a, a little ghost town in Michaud after that from when the first night we were there and we were talking on the way and he actually just, he kept saying, I forget how he phrased it, but, but basically that's what, what he, you know, the point he got across was like, no, I don't think it was colder there. I think we felt colder there, which was like, really, I, first of all, I love when people can turn this stuff, you know, on its side and look at it from a different angle. So, you know, I, I never heard that before as far as cold spots and hauntings and stuff. It, it just, 
I don't know if it rang true. I mean, it certainly was my experience that something was going on there, but it was such a novel way to approach the cold spot. And it kind of like, kind of made sense. You know, when he said, I was like, Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. It, it wasn't like, I mean, back me up on this, Tim, cause you felt it too. It wasn't like, like the temperature had changed at all. It was like we had, it's like we had the, uh, you know, it's, it was almost like being suspended in, in cold water was mm. the best way that I described it. And it was like, you know, you've basically had the warmth taking out of the core of your body, you know, cause we even felt it on what hot, like a hot summer evening. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right in August. It was, you know, hot. And yeah, I described it as walking into a, like a cold freezer uh, right down to the part where you can almost like you feel the cold air in your nose kind of, mm-hmm. it was, you know, a bit like that, really. It was really, uh, really intense. As far as cold spots go, I've, I felt them at supposed haunted places before. And usually they're like, yeah, yeah, I think it is colder here, but this was like, no question. Absolutely no question. Like, wow, it's, it's just like frigid here. Yeah. It was like your body couldn't generate enough heat. Like the, the heat of your body was generating, was being drawn out quicker than your body could produce the heat mm-hmm. is, yeah. is how it felt. So yeah. it, it was very, very intense. It was more like an internal cold versus an external cold. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, right before I listened to the witch cloud, I had read an essay in the feminine macabre. I think it's the first book, not the second one, um, where someone postulated that cold spots are basically an exothermic reaction where heat is drawn out by something so that it can manifest. Mm. So the energy is drawn out of your body. Right, right. And then used to manifest a sound or a visual or something else. And I and then, you know, you started talking about that in in the witch cloud and I was like, "Oh, and I started talking back to you and then I felt silly cuz um it's an MP3. And uh, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> so, and well, that, you know, as, as regards to you know the the and you know, you know maybe vampiric nature of it, we don't know. We've been pretty fearless, <clears throat> excuse me, about going into these haunted places. And a lot of people will question you, like, oh, aren't you worried about bringing something home and blah blah blah. Generally, no, it's just not been an issue or a problem for us and and uh, i'm really still not uh, that worried about it um bring something home but as far as things affecting us and having an effect on us like outside of the area like this is absolutely again to my knowledge other than feeling tired or something if we hiked a long way or feeling a little drained if if we got you know maybe we were in harry springs and got bluff charged or something we felt a little drained just from the the intensity of the experience but as far as like real kind of lasting effects, I think this is this is really the only place that's happened. Chad, agreed, agreed. Yeah. This this was the only place where we had possible lasting effects. We don't know for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it definitely. I mean, you know, the next day, especially after the one day where I really had the really bad reaction, where I was literally like vomiting, 
and dry heaving uh, the next day I was so so drained so sick I mean I've you know and now somebody says well you had a bug no <laughs> it wasn't like that it was just you know I just was listless and had a headache and just you know and it wasn't from being up late but it wasn't the same feeling you know and it, it took me a good day to feel better you know it you know yeah. it, it was it was definitely different and and when I think it happened more than once what once or twice we had those side effects I guess you could call them yeah and and for me it was way less intense than for Chad and we knew that I think from the start like he was just more reactive to that place for whatever reason than I was so he would like call me the next day and just be like I'm super exhausted and you know sick to my stomach and you know how are you doing i'd be like well i'm i'm tired but you know I'm generally okay so it just it just did not affect me as much as it did chad he made a saving throw so. <laughs> <laughs> that explains uh, it. there you the go has, the wizard has better dice luck you know? yeah he had, yeah a little higher magic resistance than the ranger but uh yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, it definitely affected me a lot more than him, and you know, I just went. We we always usually check up on each other the next day, and I was just like, "Hey, did this happen to you?" and so on and so forth. Just you know, we always do that with any of our excursions. But and of um, course, this is during COVID, so yeah. You know, the the <laughs> yeah, next day, I'm kind of like, "Oh, I don't, I don't feel 100 percent." Shoot, did we? What did happen? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. we were interviewing, you know, we, we were masked up in the cars and stuff. But, you know, you're interviewing a bunch of people and stuff. You're, you're kind of running across people on the bridge and talking to them. And you never know, you know, you're outside and you hope everything's fine, but you never know. And so I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, no. But uh, it, it was <laughs> not. We were good. Yeah, we were good. But so, yeah, it was definitely something that like it, like we just repeated, it was definitely different from our other excursions. And, you know, for good or ill, you know, I still go back to the place. I don't know why, but I, I do. <laughs> well, I imagine it's amazingly interesting and it's just something like a puzzle box you want to keep poking at. Yeah. Yeah. When it's, it's a very addictive feeling. That's, people have asked me about this in, in general, not, not just about the specific area. There's nothing else like it. That feeling of, of just confronting the unknown. And, and I mean, Chad and I have had this discussion, you know, off mic before and just how addictive it is. And there's nothing in the world like it. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's amazing. So, so we, we keep going back to all these <laughs> for that reason. Yeah. And like you said, there's a draw. You know, we want to, it's not that we're going, we, we never go in there with, with, um, to antagonize anything. Like it's not our style. We don't go in with all these boxes and gizmos. Like, you know, we'd see the ghost hunters show up and they got, they open up a briefcase and has all these lasers shooting out and all this stuff. We don't, we don't do any of that stuff. Uh, we just go in there and we just like, let it happen if it's going to happen. And, um, there's one night. There's multiple ghost hunting groups there. They've got laser grids going. They've got the way these places do their ghost boxes is that they have them run through like a delay, 
and a reverb pedal from a guitar and then playing through an amp. So right. So it's a portal. Is, yeah, that's the the what they is, call yeah, those. You get will make an eerie sound. Like if you if you just bump this thing or walk by it, you know, right. you get, get eerie sounds from it. So there's like, you know, their goal is to crank up the eeriness and make an experience for the people in the ghost tour. But then they got people walking around with with e-meters and they got people walking around with apps on their phones just oh, yeah. everywhere. Like, and it's just like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I was well, just you know, go ahead. I'm that, sorry, Barbara. That kills me because, OK, you have apps on your phone, right? And you have EM meters, right? What does a phone emit? EM, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if you and have a bunch has of people, a phone. yep, yep, and they're all waving them around. Yeah. So what? Are you, yeah, what are you going to get there? Hmm. And, and you're know. on an iron bridge. Yeah, <laughs> which is just a is big old antenna. Be, yep, yep. What's that going to do? Hmm. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's basically our style, just to let things happen organically. And, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And nine times out of ten, well, I shouldn't even say nine times out of ten, maybe seven or eight times out of ten, if it's if if it's there, it's going to find us, it seems to be. As Tim yeah. says, it's like we put on the one ring and the ISORON looks at us. So Very cheerful way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> if if Sauron is cheerful, I'd hate to think what your idea of that is. <laughs> So. That's just so yeah. outer unimaginable horror from Lovecraftian depths. Yeah. I think I mean, is, is yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where, where that's where we get into bad. <laughs> that that see, that's why I hike with some guy who's a little slower than me. So the so the unknown extra dimensional horror grabs him first and not me. <laughs> and that's why I hike with a big wizard staff so I can break his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> You're the wizard. You closed the portal. I'm sorry. I opened it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> you do realize that you got the full ch uh tim and chad experience here now so. i'm clearly yeah. so happy right now <laughs> you guys are great <laughs> oh so, when you uh, Go no, ahead, Morgana. No, you go. Yeah. Okay. You Let's go. get back on track here now that the train's completely derailed. <laughs> so, I know, right? Yeah. We should probably, you should probably give like a, a short sort of soundbite for people who haven't heard the episode so that, you know, we probably should have done this at the beginning, but whatever. We'll <sighs> pretend like we did. Right. We're okay. so professional here. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing. You, you just want to get into the question so badly that sometimes you forget to lay the groundwork. It's like, oh, oops, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that with whole on-site episodes. It's like all of a sudden we're just in the middle of someplace. And I'm like, I should probably explain where we are and what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so this project evolved out of... <sighs> randomness really yeah randomness we we were hiking around the battlefields in gettysburg and the the national park closes at 10 p.m we were just doing a night hike one night just looking for some place to go and the interesting thing is that we did have some neat stuff happen on that hike we had some weird stuff in the triangle field around devil's den there and uh we were hiking through i and think then, we were in uh, reynolds reynolds woods too weren't we yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, nothing, nothing world breaking, but, but it's definitely some interesting stuff. And then we had to be out of the park at, at 10. So we were kind of like, well, where do you want to go? I said, well, there is this bridge. And, I, you know, I said, have you ever heard of Suicide Bridge? And Chad said, no. And I'd heard these legends about it. And I'd been there before. And I was very, the first time I went, I had just written Beyond the Seventh Gate, which is my first book. It kind of breaks down some uh, local urban legends. And I was kind of considered myself like immune to these kind of urban legend things. So I, I went there with Adam from the Conspiracy Normal podcast. And I was very flippant about the place the first time I visited. I was like, ah, come on, show me, you know, show me what you got, like, bring it. And not much happened other than I took a photograph with a very interesting light in it. Um, and th- my friend James, who uh, used to host Strange Familiars with me, he had to uh, urinate. And I, I let him out of the Jeep right near the bridge and he went back in the brush and I drove away just being a jerk. Like I was going to leave him there. Drove up about a hundred yards, turned around and came back and, and he's, you know, coming out of the, the brush and he's like shook and he's mad at me. And I was like, Oh dude, I was going for like five minutes, you know, not even five minutes, a minute, maybe it's going for like a minute. I was, you know, I'd never leave you. And he's like, no, it wasn't that. And he's like, when I was back there, the whole, like all the trees started shaking all around me. So that was, you know, I kind of filed it away as, you know, Hmm, but I was still kind of like, eh. And the reason why is because locals call this this bridge Suicide Bridge. It's an old iron bridge. It's built in the 1880s, and uh, it's no longer open to traffic. But you can you can walk or bike across it. And the local uh, legends have to do with people hanging themselves on the bridge. And even back then, when my first visit with Adam, I had done a bunch of research trying to find any newspaper article where somebody hang themselves or committed suicide on that bridge. Nothing. I couldn't find anything. So I was kind of like, oh, this is just another one of those places that has these legends that, that people have made up and, you know, nothing to it. So I was very flippant on my first visit. The night Chad and I went for the first time, it was just the kind of thing. I, I knew the place was open at night. I know we could be there. So I was like, well, let, let's go to this place and we'll try it and we'll see. You know, and I, I, I remember telling him all the legends and telling him how, yeah, I don't think we're going to experience much there, but we can go and try it. And uh, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> was I ever wrong? Uh, from the first time we went there, things started happening and, and it's, it was pretty intense. So this we'd been looking to do something. I knew like, you know, I'm always thinking like, what am I going to do for episode 300? What am I going to do for episode 200? What am I going to do for this, for that? I was trying to do something special for the big ones. And I knew we wanted to do a like a special project for this. The first time we went, I didn't know that's what this was going to be. It was probably the third time we visited that it finally clicks like, oh, let's make this into into like, you know, the big project for 300. It was originally going to be a cassette. And then I realized, like, I don't have a cassette player. And I'm thinking probably most people don't have cassette players anymore. And I actually want people to hear it. So yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't think I have one, and 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 I have all kinds of weird crap. And yeah, I yeah, I, I I have one, but it's broken. How's that? So <laughs> oh well, there you go. Yeah, so you couldn't even hear it. Much good. No, no. So um, <laughs> we decided to do this this project with the book and the download and so forth. Uh, so it's a multimedia project: book illustrations, a little bit of music. This uh, the audio book is. 
So I read the text, but then when I interview people, it's transcribed in the book, obviously, but we, we cut in the actual interview, uh, the, the audio of the actual interview in that. And then it, if we, you know, if I'm talking about sounds, if I could pull them out of the recording, I clip them in to the audio. So it's not your standard audio book. It's, it's, you know, audio book plus, and then we recorded a, like a bonus podcast, Soraya from where did the road go came down on Alba Twitch day. And we went out there and, and recorded a sort of a bonus podcast as, you know, on top of that. So it's this, this big multimedia project that, that serves as episode 300 essentially. And it is really cool to have both read it and listened to it. Yes. It, you do. You don't need to do both, awesome. but doing both is excellent. It's, it's very immersive and meditative and spooky in a good way and just very interesting. And there's like a lot of artistry that goes into having done both, like experiencing both. I didn't you know, do both. You did both. I just read I was, them, read and listened. Listening to a podcaster named Blind, Blind Boy, rather, out of Ireland. It's just something the Monster Fuzz guys pointed me to, like just one of his episodes. Say, hey, hey, listen to this one episode because he's talking about like kind of the art of podcasting and what it means to be like an online creator. And he had this really interesting point about podcasting. He said kind of in the, you know, mid two thousands podcasting wouldn't have worked because everything was viral, this viral, this viral, this viral, this, and everything's like fast and fast and fast. And he said, and it's almost like people got burnt out and now podcasting lets people almost have this meditative state where they can just, put on something for a long time and just absorb information. And I thought, geez, I never thought of it like that. I, I really didn't. I just thought, you know, and I really feel like he's right. I feel like people do use podcasts now to kind of slow down a bit. Let me take an hour of my life, slow down and absorb some information. Um, so, you know, that having not much to do with the witch cloud, but podcasting in general, when you say it becomes this sort of, you know, immersive experience, I think, I think, podcasts are for a lot of people which is a good thing i think we all need that time to slow down oh yes <laughs> i i see podcasting also as a return to the oral tradition of oh yeah folklore mm -hmm. um and story dissemination mm -hmm. um absolutely i really feel like you know similar to alan lomax every mm -hmm. time i record an experience or story who never really told their story to anybody except maybe somebody in their family or a couple of friends. Right. And it's, it's a lot of really, it's so interesting to hear people that you didn't know had these experiences. Mm -hmm. And then you see the patterns emerge from person to person to person um, of, of very similar things happening Yep. Over and over, but in this wide geographic, you know, area, it's not all like, you know, in one little clump of people, mm -hmm. you know, we're looking at stuff that happens to people across the United States, Canada, Europe, South America, you know, right. it's amazing to me yeah. that, that this is a thing. Yeah. And I would, you know, at some point when some folklorists, uh, you know, uses our podcast as, as reference and, you know, however many years I will take great pride in that. Then I've done my job. Yes. Yes. Very definitely. 
if if it makes you feel any better, I did reference um, you guys with where the footprints end and strange familiars for an answer in my occult class. I don't know nice. if that counts, cool. but <laughs> I did manage count. to bring that into a discussion about um, fairy folklore. Actually, I was like, also Bigfoot. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, the subject. I've run into two books so far that reference where the footprints end and another that referenced something from strange familiars. I think just randomly just books I was reading. I was like, Oh, look at that. You know, so, <laughs> that's, yeah, cool. that's always cool to see. That is extremely cool. Um, what was the other thing you were going to ask Morgana? I was going to now... ask about the ritual. Yeah. That's what you were going to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, um, now, obviously, I start start the episode slash book out with with a sort of a nod to that because um, it seems like a little thing, I guess, maybe to to other people, but it was it was pretty huge to me. Um, we were doing an an SD session, uh, and we do like a modified SD session. And I do not know the origin of this. I learned it from Hellier, like many, many other people have learned it from Hellier. So we just kind of adapted what we saw them do. I don't even know where the name comes from exactly. I think they explained it, but I, I can't even remember. So I get full credit to Hellier for us doing that. Uh, Chad was not blindfolded. He was, he felt, uh, handicapped enough by having the headphones on with the the, the uh, ghost box being really loud and being on the the up on this bridge and I don't blame him so I stand behind him so he can't see me ask the questions he can't hear me ask the questions I can't hear what's coming through the ghost box so I'm not being influenced by the ghost box with my questions he's not being influenced by my questions by hearing my questions uh, he's just saying what, what comes through the ghost box when it comes through. And we've had times, like we use this at Hans Graf Cemetery, which is supposed to be like full of werewolf graves and stuff and, and you know, this really haunted place and got gobbledygook. You know, it was just nothing. It didn't make any sense. That's because <laughs> werewolves don't speak English. <laughs> I should have thought of that. You'd think you'd know that. <laughs> what do they speak? Wolfish? Yes, <laughs> obviously. Lupine. I should bring. I should probably bring my dog to translate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but and you know some other places we've gotten gobbledygook, nothing answers. Um, but we seem to get very pointed answers. Uh, at the bridge here, it seemed to be answering what I was asking, at least in a fashion. Um, that said, at one point it said, uh, very much as if it was talking to me. Uh, but one of the things that said, you're the one rings around me. And when I heard that, I immediately, I mean, I just saw clear as day myself on the bridge, drawing a magic circle in robes, burning offerings and trying to manifest whatever was there. I don't do that. That's not the kind of practice I generally do. And I thought, I, I thought because I was shown this and the other thing it said is Chad, where I asked, when will we see you? And it said next time. 
So between those two things, I thought I, I have to do this. I, you know, we're going to, we're going to manifest this thing and we're going to see it. And, uh, I started contacting people who, who do such things on the regular, uh, Ren Collier being one of them and asking questions, how I, you know, they would go about it and what they thought and so forth. <clears throat> of course, Ren being Ren was like, you know, you know, I'll come down and do it tomorrow, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I'm a little more reserved and, but I'm thinking about it and I'm talking to Chad about it. I'm like, you know, I think. I think we're supposed to maybe do this. And uh, I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. It was really bothering me. It was really bothering me because it's just, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of this stuff, but I'm respectful of it. I'm, and I'm careful about my approach. And I don't think, I don't like being led into anything. I, that's not comfortable to me. And at some point I realized like, I, I don't want to do this. I feel like if I don't do this, then I'm not like manifesting some future I'm supposed to manifest. And I don't, I really don't want to do this. This isn't me. I don't want to do this. And uh, the the moment I sort of decided, and I think I probably called Chad and I was kind of like, you know, I'm thinking, I, I don't really feel like doing this. And, and I think Chad was kind of like, you know, it seemed kind of a, you know, he, like Chad was going to be on board if I wanted to do it. But I think, I think he too was kind of like, Correct me if I'm wrong, Chad. When I said finally, like, yeah, I don't feel like this is the right thing to do. I think you were like, yeah, I was kind of getting that same vibe. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I was like, should we really let whatever's there really determine what we do? Yeah, and and if you follow folklore, that's not what you do. <laughs> yeah, and it just it just didn't feel right from from both our you know from both our point of views. At, at first, I was like yeah, let's do this. Let's do, you know, I was all on board with him. And then the more I thought about it, it just didn't seem right. And the more he kept saying, well, this, this isn't me, you know, but you know, should we do this? And I was, and I was just kind of like, nah, nah, it just, it didn't, it just didn't feel right. It did. It didn't hum right. There you go. If, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. And I, I think by the time, you know, we'd finally just like, nah, let's not, it was such a weight that came off my shoulders. I was just like, and I just realized, like, yeah, I was, I didn't want to do that. Like, why was I doing that just because this thing said that? But, but I did see myself very clearly doing it, or at least I thought it was myself. Now, later we talked to, we met this uh, ghost guy named Clinton on the bridge. Really nice guy, uh, listener to the show. He's super cool. He, when, when, in the course of talking to us, we're talking about this stuff and, and he's, he's talking about his approach to, to this stuff. And he's not like any other ghost hunter around Gettysburg. Most of them are very, uh, um, by the book, by the ghost hunting book, let's say. And this guy was like creative and he's bringing these thoughts to it that just I've never heard any of these other ghost hunters do. And I'm just like, wow. And at some point we're talking and he realized who I was. He's like, are you the guy from Strange Familiars? I was like, yeah. And then, then he was like, oh, I listened to your show. So it was a really, really cool thing. But in any case, he's telling stories about one of his friends that were there that came up and found what he called a pentagram. Uh, drawn on the bridge, I believe in chalk. It wasn't spray paint because it, it it wasn't permanent, uh, and it made me wonder if I wasn't somehow picking up on whatever energy was going on there, like somebody else did a ritual, and I was somehow picking up on that energy when I had that that vision or whatever when when that came through the ghost box, and uh, you know I don't know, 
But when, as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder if that has something to do with that, you know, rings around me phrase. I could see that. I could also see, I could see an entity being like, hey, totally summon me. And you are, you're the one who wants to do this. It has nothing to do with me, like mm-hmm. giving you this vision that it would yeah, let I'm me not- escape whatever possible bonding I might have, maybe. Although even that's that's just like based on some folklore general knowledge of when otherworldly beings contact you and are like, hey, summon me. It's usually not like something you want to do. No, exactly. generally not. It generally definitely not. wanted us under the bridge too. It wanted us under there. Oh and, no. And, and no, Chad, no, no. Chad no. went under. He went under several times. Yeah. Uh, but mm. um yeah, it de- it wanted us down there. Like there were no sure. trolls. <laughs> I was well, about to something. say any trolls. <laughs> that's something. Uh, yeah, I mm, it, see. You didn't call me and ask me. I would have said, "No, nah, that's a bad idea." <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I will. Yeah, <laughs> nah, that's, that's uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, no, 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 no. The. You know, it could have been any number of different sorts of of entities wanting to to you know play a game with you, but I don't think it would have ended well for anybody. And it it wasn't it wasn't your idea, and it wasn't something that you do. It's it's not true to who you are. So that's never a good thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think. With this stuff, with the other in general, anytime something, I mean, you know, we're in that liminal place and you're in a, in a sense, you're already outside of your comfort zone. So, but when something seems to want to like lead you or push you into something, I think it's time to be careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't follow the lights. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Except yeah. when you're like deliberately trying to figure out where the lights are coming from. Say, I you, guess. Please tell that to Chad once more. Yeah, <laughs> I was about ready to say, how many times have I broken that rule? <laughs> yeah, well. Okay. What's that noise? What's that over there? I, let's go find out, Tim. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, again, that that's that's just a. I don't know. It. it as soon as you came to that part of the the narrative, even though I'd already read the book, um, it's just, you know, it's like seeing a movie. You got to read the book first and then you see the movie. So you read the book and then you listen to the podcast. Um, anyway, I, when you got to it, even though I knew it was coming, I was like, nope, 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 hmm. nope. That's not good. That's not a good. Yeah. I mean, even, even like from this point, like looking back on that myself, I'm like, why would, why for a second did I, I mean, this stuff is very seductive, you know? Yeah. Yes. So from here I can go, why did it for a second? Did I even consider that? Like, that's not, it's not me. It's not what I do. But you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's, it's very seductive and you know, it's just seemed like something I should do. I mean, you're a seeker after answers and knowledge and experience and all that. And when you're handed a, vision of yourself being like I'm going to make the thing appear for me and t- show me what it is like that would be super seductive yeah 
like it would show you its true face in the well, first of place. Course, but, but you know, when you're being seductive, I know vision, exactly. <laughs> honestly, which is I not don't a real verb, but it is now. I honestly don't know if I, I would have, I probably would have gotten caught up in it myself. Because oh, you would have totally done the ritual and been like, damn the consequences. This is interesting. Let's see that, what happens. That would have been my first thought. But if I had time to think about it, then I would have been like, nah, that's, that's true. dumb. If yeah, that's dumb. Because it said next time. It wasn't like you're going to do it right there. Right, right. It, it made a mistake there. <laughs> Should have been like, do it right now. And then you'll see me. Did, and then it, it might have gotten what it wanted. Did we see it next time, though? Wasn't well, the next time when we were with those guys, one yeah. from New York and the one from um, northeastern Pennsylvania? Yeah, I mean there was yeah. a big shadow that that uh, you you and at least the one of those two guys saw. I did not see that, you know. And that the the it's question mark is: Does that count? Does that does that fulfill the prophecy? I don't know. I, he had his know. back to it. That's on purpose. I swear it is because you didn't do the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> that's Maybe. that's just how those kinds of things act. That's just what they do. That would that would uh, seem to be on point with this place. I think, yeah, yeah. It's you know, and when people say, you know, well, why didn't you do that? Well, why wouldn't you do that? You know, other than than the this bridge and the the vampiric sort of nature of it in general neither of you have been particularly harmed by anything before have you no no exactly um and and i'm the same way i've generally not been harmed i've had you know really scary things happen yeah, yeah i've had my pants and, scared off but not harmed yeah exactly yeah. um and and there've been moments where you know for a second you're like well you know i could have fallen down the ravine that would have been bad but i didn't um but sometimes that makes us arrogant i guess and so we think it's okay but it isn't necessarily okay you know you're you're fine until you're not right and so right. that's why you always have to think about that when you when you're talking about an invocation to uh, call down or call up an entity of some sort. You have to really remember that there are consequences to those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things that probably you know kept me from doing it is is I don't take that stuff lightly at all, and. I thought, I mean, that that's what was probably slowing me down. That's probably the reason I didn't like run home and, you know, gather all the supplies and, and bug Chad to go back, you know, a couple of days later or something to do this because it, it did, you know, I, those kinds of operations are, they're nothing to play around with. And I know some people who are very cavalier about them and, no one knows what will happen, including me, but I am just kind of sitting back and waiting. It's like, man, you you really do not take this seriously at all, and I'm really afraid at some point it's going to smack you on the butt. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll keep going and doing what they do, and, and they'll be fine. But uh, it's not been my experience. So over time, uh, you know, we are fallible, and 
the the other can can be very very patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Morgana and I were talking this this afternoon, and she brought up the books by Terry Pratchett. Yeah, where my favorite thing about his conception of witchcraft is Granny Weatherwax says, you know, the most imp- what's more important than knowing how to do magic is how not to do magic. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want to say I dabble because that makes it sound like I don't take it seriously, but I make a policy of n- if I can do anything without bothering to break into the magic part, I will do it sans magic because mm-hmm. it's, it's so serious in some ways. It's, it's a can of worms that you don't always know what's going to come out of, even with discipline and good intentions and everything. It's just, it's a, it's a squirmy thing that you don't really control entirely. Like you can direct and you can have all the best plans and you can have your focus waiver and just some weird stuff is going to just happen for a week now. Yeah. yeah. The the other thing that gave me Paul and I didn't realize this until I finally, you know, talked with Chad and decided not to do this. When I had that that vision or whatever you want to call it, I don't, you know, it it was a very clear image in my mind. Um it wasn't this world stopping, you know, like I went into convulsions and had this great mystical vision. I just had a very clear image instantaneously come into my mind. So whatever you want to call that. But it, I realized over time, you know, that Chad wasn't with me in that. And he'd been with me every visit to that bridge. And I thought, mm-hmm. where where was he, you know, in, in that situation? And was this whatever, was it trying to separate us, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason? And that, that too was a very powerful thing. Cause it's like, wait a minute. Like, cause he was, he, he's literally been with me other than that first time I went, he's l- literally been there with me every time, every step of the way, side by side. So that was like, you know, that's the other thing that finally I was like, yeah, that's weird. And that's not right. So. Yeah. I read yeah. that and my paranoid free association brain was like, where's Chad? Mm-hmm. sacrifice didn't want to come like fell off the bridge <laughs> what, under, under the bridge with it <laughs> yeah right. what's what's going on here it's a bad bad waiting mm. in in the wings to bop the thing <laughs> like a good friend would when it's about to come up from behind him <laughs> explaining to the police why i'm burning things on the bridge yeah I mean, <laughs> what's going on here? oh my <laughs> I'd probably be the guy drawing the perimeter or something like that. So. Yeah, because I wouldn't make a perfect circle and Chad would be like, that's no good, Tim. It needs to be a perfect circle. <laughs> then my knife would be in the middle and I would wrong, I would take a piece of paracord and pull it out. Exactly. And, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know that's what you would do. <laughs> you should, this is how you draw a magic circle. <laughs> that actually sounds like you would be excellent to have at hand for for rituals, really. Like oh, it's a sincere way. Yeah. He's he's excellent for stuff like this. He's very thorough. I, I like um there was a guy I used to tour with and uh I always liked touring with him because he just thought of everything. Like when I this is when I was playing music. 
And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I forgot blank. And he'd just like pull it out. No, you didn't. Here it is. You know, Chad's that way with hiking. Because I'm like, oh, I need this. And Chad would be like, well, here. <laughs> or, uh, you know, he's just, he's on top of things. So, you know, as as this person who's, uh, you know, sometimes wrapped up in, in other things, uh, Chad's very, very good person for stuff like that. He's, he's, he's always got my back and he's always, uh, he's always prepared. Quite literally, I don't think I've ever been in a situation with Chad where something's come up that he wasn't prepared for. It's like your Uncle Tom. With the bag. With yes. the magic bag. With the that, magic that, bag. That I swear there's a, a life raft, you know, just crammed in there somehow that if a flash flood got us, he'd pull that out. Well, I not only have a magic bag, but I have a magic forerunner. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. were like what we all, what my Uncle Thomas probably aspires to. Because yeah. you literally have everything. And because of you, I now carry a small flashlight, an astronaut blanket, a multi-tool, and a knife, and a box of waterproof matches everywhere I go. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. The UCO matches are awesome. <laughs> so, I think that was uh, Chad got me that uh, as a Christmas gift. Was it last year or the year before? He made sure I had some waterproof matches. Dude, they're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I, I was at a bar and I was looking for something in my bag so I pulled everything out and stuff just kept coming out and the people who I was with started looking at me funny and were like okay the phone and the keys and the lighter and the mask all that makes sense what is with the flashlight and the multi-tool what is that why do you have an astronaut blanket <laughs> and I'm like it would take two just in case just in case guys that's why just in case <laughs> Because well, they weigh a couple ounces and they don't take up much room. Yeah. The general rule. The general rule is one is none, two is one, one. three is two. So. Yep. You know, two ways mm. to make fire. Yep. And yeah, you know, the space blanket just has a ton of uses. Oh my god, I, I'm not even going to go into that. That would take up the rest of the podcast. So. <laughs> so. I mean, you can give me one besides keeping yourself warm and using it as, to reflect from the inside of a tarp that you've strung up mm -hmm. to reflect the heat from a fire. Those are the only two I've come up with. Oh, and signal I guess using reflector. it to signal because it would yeah. reflect. I was going to say signal. You can, you can use it to signal and you can, you know, if it's like a bag and it's sealed, you can use it to gather water. Okay. Uh, and you put it, if you combine it with a tarp and you put it in the back of your tarp and you put plastic in the front of your tarp and you start a fire, you have what's called a super shelter and it becomes like a sauna in the inside. Believe okay. it or not. See, so that's handy to know. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's got a ton of uses. <laughs> so also if the UFO lands, you can wrap it around yourself and, and pretend you're one of them. <laughs> well well that and you can also wrap it around your head to, to protect yourself from them frequencies. I was <laughs> I was about to point out that, you know, then when the radio waves come after you, yeah. you hey, I wonder <laughs> if it would affect an EM meter you could mess with ghost ghost hunters with <laughs> oh my no Metal. at that point you make it and you like wear it as a ghost sheet oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah that would do yeah you could hide out in the woods and when people when their laser grids hit it and it reflects <laughs> off it would really drive them crazy oh, that would be fun <laughs> you know what was really cool though like clinton was really cool he left us take over his ghost tours <laughs> like literally like he'd start Seriously? talking to us yeah he'd start talking to us you know because it was cool because he'd be like are you Tim? Are you Chad? We're like, yeah. 
and uh, we'd start telling our, you know, we'd start talking shop with him and the other people, his uh, customers that he was guiding would like start listening to our stories and and we'll be like, oh, we're so sorry. He's like, no, just keep going. It was so funny. You know, we, we That's literally funny. like took it over. Like, we did amazing. that twice, didn't we, Tim? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Less so the second time, but yeah. 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 It was, it was interesting. It was cool. He's a cool guy. Now, where were you guys when we were in Gettysburg with the kids? That would have been so much fun. I, the children would have never slept again. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was bad enough with us. <laughs> there was a kid who wanted, she, she had never really understood what a ghost was. And so we went on the ghost tour and uh, she was, she was in our group. And so we, we came back to the hotel and, you know, we're trying to get him to bed down. And uh, both of us had experienced something weird on the ghost tour, but we kept it quiet because we wanted the children to, you know, sleep and be able to exist. And uh, so we, we talked about it while Morgana was smoking outside. I was like, all right, y'all just sit there, eat candy or something, you know, do a kid thing. And yeah, I know you'll never sleep if you have that. We I was about to say, you expected them to bed down? What? <laughs> Eat some chips or something, you know. Get, we get crumbs in the bed, whatever. We let them oh, eat we ice were. cream and coffee for lunch one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were awful. Now it's safe to say because the the parents they're graduated are, you know, they're, from that school. Yeah, so we're we're safe now, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, statute we'll probably of limitations never... ran <laughs> yes, out. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> but uh, this one girl was like, "What's a ghost? I don't know what a ghost is." And and I was like, "Well, uh, uh, you know." So we're explaining it, and and she kept asking questions and asking questions and asking questions, and I'm trying to answer in a way that isn't scary at all, and. We have one kid who had never been away from home before. So she was already like nervous. And then our kid was, you know, even though he's grown up with like in a haunted house with a weird, you know, mother and, and sister, he's still nervy about this ghost thing. So I'm trying to answer the questions honestly. And it's just, it's just not. It's not well, going she, well. She was also Anglican. Yeah. And so was asking about why don't ghosts go to heaven? And I'm like, okay, how do I answer this in such a way that I'm not going to end up in a theological debate? <laughs> and also with our parents get this kid in trouble and, when they yeah. go home and they're like, well, right. they explained purgatory and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so we're trying to answer like, well, some people believe they're the ghosts of the dead. Maybe they're just a memory imprint without going into, Oh yeah. Stone tapes theory because they're like eight. Yeah. So <sighs> it was, it was, it was an awful lot. Meanwhile, they're playing with, with dousing rods and you know, it, <laughs> it was, it was fascinating. So yeah, maybe it's just as well. You guys weren't around. <laughs> so that's a good way to segue into one thing that we, uh, kind of like dabbled a little bit with this project was to actually change the definition of what is a ghost right tim i mean we we kind of yeah, I mean, dabbled in so, that with this project 
so there's two bridges there, uh, right close to each other, probably about a half mile apart, maybe three quarters of a mile. There's a covered wooden bridge that uh, is called Sachs Covered Bridge. And if you've seen a documentary on Gettysburg, ghost stories, you've probably seen, you've this seen bridge. that bridge. Yeah. yeah it's, it's very, that very, is very the bridge. <laughs> um, and there's a story associated with that, that, that three Confederate soldiers were hanged there during the battle. They were deserters and General Longstreet hanged them on the bridge. There's a story about the supposed suicides on, on the, the Iron Bridge, the, the so-called Suicide Bridge. It's actually called, the proper name is John Eisenhower Bridge now. It used to be called Redding Bridge way back in the day. Uh, but in any case, I was you know, 90% plus sure that there were no hangings on the Iron Bridge. No one killed themselves there. Um, I'm probably close to 100% sure of that now. I just have found no no information at all that would, you know, lead anybody to believe that. The newspapers report when people stub their toe on that bridge. You know, if, if somebody had, had killed themselves on that bridge, it would it would absolutely be right. out there. The other story about the Confederates being hanged on the bridge, it's so often reported that I thought this was actual history. I thought this was in the history books, I thought, and at some point during all this, Chad said, no, it's not. And uh, you, you know somebody who works for the Park Service, is that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of uh, really heavy researchers into the Gettysburg battle, Civil War, in the Civil yeah. War battle, and um, and I know one guy who actually volunteers at the Park Service, and I asked him about it, because I was just curious, and he's like, no. He's like, there's no there there's no evidence that that happened and he said think about it if you're in a hurry and you're retreating they're not going to take time to hang anybody up because who would they be sending a who would they be sending the message to because they're leaving and b everybody has guns you know they're just going to shoot them you're mm-hmm. not going to take Take the time. You're not exactly, especially if you're retreating. The last thing you're going to do is take time to string somebody up if you're in a hurry to get out of there. Yeah. So, so here, here's this bit of like quote unquote known history that suddenly it's like, wait a minute, it's just a story. This happens a lot with the ghost tours over there, and, and I can go on that rant <laughs> uh, later. But uh, in any case, and I'm thinking about this, but but the catch of that is people have seen apparitions of hanged confederate soldiers on the bridge people you know we've been there where people are supposedly contacting them with ghost boxes you know they're in communication with these these entities and uh, i just thought wait a minute the other thing is and i found this out actually after i was finished writing the book or it would have been in there the bridge isn't even in the same location it was it's been rebuilt it's been moved i think like a, a hundred yards uh East, I believe, on on uh, on the creek, the it's actually bridge. been moved twice. Has it been moved twice. Yep. Okay. So, wow. yeah, it's not even it's not the same structure. It's built to look like it, but it's not the same structure that huh. was there during the Civil War. That's fascinating. So people are seeing apparitions of soldiers that were never hanged because they're stories of hanged soldiers. They're seeing, uh or at least are experiencing things on the other bridge that they are attributing to ghosts of people that never killed themselves. 
And I just thought, well, either we're not dealing with ghosts, which, you know, I would probably lobby for that, or we need to redefine what ghosts are. And I think um, this is where I will get the most resistance amongst the the, the sort of basic uh, ghost hunter crowd that, that tends to be from Gettysburg, because to them, everything's related to the Civil War and everything is, uh, you know, the spirit of a dead person one way or another. And there's a lot of these stories that come up that um, seem to be just stories that people have, you know, folklore is folklore. Sometimes fiction gets woven in there, but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of ghost stories in Gettysburg and there's been lawsuits from these ghost groups, one to the other, where they have sued another ghost group for quote unquote, using their stories. Now, you can't do that. If it's a true story, then yeah, then, then it's fair game. You can't sue somebody for telling a true story. So if they're suing another ghost group, are you now saying this is fiction that you made up? That's mm. a big question mark. And they don't, you know, they don't want to weigh in on that. Yeah. They want to tell people they're telling made up ghost stories, but they have, they have tried to sue each other over, you know, quote unquote, using their stories. Which, again, makes me put a big question mark in this stuff. So, either a new definition of ghosts or, or we're dealing with something else there. But people are bringing the energy, the idea of someone having committed suicide on Suicide Bridge or, or these Confederate soldiers being hanged on, on the wooden bridge. And are they manifesting actual you know, apparitions according to these stories? You know, uh, because of the energy that's been brought there or is whatever was there using these stories, using the energy, you know, mm-hmm. tales whispered down the lane to appear to people as, you know, what they expect to see or what they want to see. In any case, it doesn't seem like if, if we're seeing, you know, things that are from dead people that never actually lived, then we definitely need a new definition of ghosts. Cause as I understand it, ghosts technically are the spirits of dead people. Yeah. I've always been very not sure if that's actually what a ghost is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think if you think about it for any time, like if I was some kind of other, I would certainly, you know, I mean, like hopefully I'd just be a good guy and not do this. But but if you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you think you have some sort of uh, ability to to become what people expect or what people want to see, or I don't even know how to phrase it, but uh, you know, you would certainly play into that. Or maybe that's the only thing they, maybe they have no choice, but to reach into people's minds and say, okay, I have this to work with. You know, we, we have this to work with. So let's uh, we're going to, we're going to work with what they have here in, in the imaginal sense. In which case the ritual that popped into your head might not have even worked because it would have had you would have seen what you expected to see, which, since you tend to be of the mindset that you don't know what you're going to see, would it have even been able to appear? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, my gut is I would have expected some sort of like you know phantom form to to you know manifest in that circle, and what would have happened is something would have walked out of the woods. <laughs> you know, possibly big and hairy or were possibly wearing flannel or something 
and and or a combination of both <laughs> yeah exactly and walked away and i would have been like well it happened you know <laughs> yeah yeah that, or just an owl would have flown down and like landed on chad's shoulder or something you know? <laughs> yeah i mean what i've i've thought for for years that our brains are like wardrobes like yeah. you know it's the costume department for for the other that mm -hmm. you know whatever comes in just nabs the closest easiest thing that it can get out of our brains and and pops that on as it were yeah i mean i think uh, you know, i just found an article and, and this made me so happy i found folklore in pennsylvania about banshees and pukas mm -hmm. and well sure enough it's around an irish community right yeah yeah and you immediately think were they seeing something they didn't know what it was and saying just using those names for it or were they literally seeing the same thing that they see in Ireland because it's such, you know, there's such a cultural aspect woven into all this. I mean, who knows either way, either way, it's completely fascinating and wonderful and exciting. But, you know, I think there's such a cultural layer to this stuff. And, uh, and again, that, that personal layer, like you said, you know, it's, it's putting on skins like a video game in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's, you know, let's, let's say, uh, Oh, this guy's a you know Irish. Well, he's going to see a banshee. You know, this this guy's uh, whatever. Maybe maybe he sees a a Bigfoot. Maybe this person sees a a gray alien walk out of the woods. You know, who knows? I you know, but it's certainly one. I've I've had that thought, especially recently, that maybe um, maybe different people are going to see different things. You know, uh, it, it's there's one sort of essential other truth. You know, something's there, but whatever clothes it wears, maybe according to the viewer. Yeah. Which makes it awfully hard to research. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to talk about too. It's hard to write about. And it's it's hard to I mean, it's like for people like us who deal with this constantly, it's it's you know, these are not concepts that are, you know, completely novel to us. These are things we've batted around before. But I think when you talk to somebody who's especially like somebody who's maybe on a ghost tour in Gettysburg and they're just there, you know, they're they're there to see dead people or 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 record voices of dead people and you bring this stuff up and they just kind of, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You just yep. get that dead eyed stare. They're just like, what? Like, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, this gets into, you know, advanced paranormal theory or something. You know, we're, we're, we're beyond the one-on-one class. Here. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, 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 there's something to be said for that because, you, you know, we just talked with a couple of ghost hunters who did not expect to see something that they saw. And it's going to be the last episode of this, this year mm -hmm. of our podcast. And it's something completely out of their conception. Whereas Morgana and I are like, Oh, well, we see stuff like that all the time. It's not that. Yeah. That's not that weird. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's just a, it's just you know a spirit don't worry about it it's not it's not bad yeah but you we're, know we're that weird subset of people who distinguishes between spirits and ghosts for some reason yeah <laughs> Be because 
Well, you know, it's like the the essay I wrote, Why Don't I See Aliens Most of the Time? Most of the time. Um, and it's because my family taught me fairy lore before I got into UFO lore. I think. Mm-hmm. I hope. I don't know. I hope it's keeping them away from me most of the time. Because I, I don't like them. I don't like greys. <laughs> that may help, considering the one time you had an experience with them, you like basically attacked it. <laughs> yes. They may just be like, you know, nah. Mark that <laughs> yeah. houses do not disturb. Here there be dragons. Yeah, that's... She throws yeah. things at you if you show up through the wall there. No. Um, yeah, I don't... I guess I tend to conceive of ghosts as human whereas spirits are everything else yeah i think that's probably you know the the general rule and uh i was talking with brother richard about this uh which will be on an upcoming interview on strange familiars and he was talking about some of his and he said you know an actual ghost the actual like spirit of a human is very very rare a lot rarer than people think you know, more often you're getting something other that's that people are attributing to a, a ghost. I that makes sense. I think that would be likely because I don't want to say that there's never dead people's spirits running around because there might right. be because I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and some of these, you know, some of these hauntings, especially kind of residual hauntings, they really do seem to be like that. You know, it's certainly it's a person that either people remember or that people can prove was at that place the person's in you know appropriate clothing for the for the era they're supposedly from it just makes sense but it's almost like it's a tape being played you know, yeah. just over and over again like there's yeah um as opposed to you know an active thing which you know, again these active hauntings they, they tend to get real weird you know real quick yeah Absolutely. Um, You know, and I think the only one that I saw as a ghost that I said at the time was a ghost and looked like a ghost at this point, I think actually was more, I was seeing backwards into time. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was seeing her dead. I think I was seeing her alive and she saw me. That was the other part that was weird, as we saw each other. Except to my eyes, she was a silhouette, except instead of a black shadow, she was white. But, you know, I could see her dress, and I could see the shape of her hair, and it was the correct period for when she would have been. But, you know, she was interacting with myself and with Morgana's father. And, uh, you know, I I think she was in her time and we were in our time and we were looking across mm-hmm. at each other. I don't think she was dead at that time. She was dead in our time, but we weren't born in her time. So what Everyone happened was there? Confused. Everything. Yeah. And we she acted just as confused as I was. John Tenney tells this awesome story, and I, I won't get all the details right, but essentially it was a an old woman who lived in this house or apartment or, you know, whatever, wherever she lived, and she was complaining about hauntings. And uh, it was little kids. She kept seeing little kids haunt her. 
And like some years later, I don't know if he was called in to investigate the same residence or, or, or how it happened or how he found out about it. But he, he comes back and there's this family living there with little kids. And they're saying this place is haunted. But they're seeing this old woman. Huh. Yeah. So it's like they were. The, yeah. Yeah. Something That's was so crossing cool. there. You know. Paul Eno tells a similar story, too, with um, someone who had these two little kids in their basement and he went and investigated it. And you could see the two little kids kind of tucked up behind the furnace and they were terrified. And he, he was of the opinion that we were, that they were looking through time and space, Mm -hmm. that there was some sort of a reality right next to this reality right. and they yeah. they could somehow see each other across it mm-hmm. and that you know i think that's probably i think that's probably more likely than you know dead humans running about time a is a very funny thing and, and i i think like again i don't know anything what do i know i'm not einstein i haven't figured out you know, theory of relativity, but my gut tells me that we organize time in a linear fashion so we don't go insane. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. probably much different than that, the way time actually works. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I, I think, oh, go Chad. I was going to say, I agree with him totally because time is just, a, I mean, at, what is it? At the speed of light, time stops. And or no, goes faster. Above my pay grade. Yeah, it, but it I, I imagine up. it like in, it speeds like, up, and then in a black hole, time doesn't exist at all. So time is its own monster altogether. Yeah, yeah. Like, like so. Instead of picturing like if you picture a ribbon stretched out straight, that's how we think of it most of the time—a timeline. I think maybe like it's rather folded again and again on top of itself, and you get these thin places, you know, where where. You can kind of see through or, or somehow mm-hmm. interact with these other places. I don't know. We've had that happen what once or twice where we've had where we've had some instances where we've seen stuff before like before it happened or after it happened, if that make it made any sense. Like up at Pandemonium we had the uh, the rock cairn. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. We had yeah. that happen. Was there? I think was there another. See, I didn't see that, so I tend to forget about that. Yeah. Even when I when I talk about pandemonium, I always forget to bring that up because I it's like I because I you know you saw it, I didn't see it. Right, and and I think the bridge was in the, the bridge was your version of that mm. because when I saw the Karen, it was like completely real and and you know clear as day, literally. Mm-hmm. So. We we're speaking of a, a Karen that, that was there and then he looked back, right? You looked away and looked back and then Yeah, I I, I we were just discuss, we were just talking and I randomly looked over my shoulder and the sunlight was on this cairn of three rocks on top of another rock and then I just turned around and we're still talking. I looked back and I'm like, Holy crap, where'd it go? <laughs> and then we walked up to it and then that's where we found the the, the rocks were laying there, but they were no longer in a cairn anymore but then we built the cairn yeah then we built it i'm like yeah it looks just like it was just there just like that so oh 
Oh, that's like a little eddy in time. Yeah. Like yeah. Little 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 edge of the stream that goes into a spiral before it goes downstream again. It was yeah, it was really yeah. weird. It was really weird. I was just like and he was looking at me cuz he was talking to me. He's like, "What's wrong?" cuz he could tell something was bucking me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, uh <laughs> I mean, it was something small, but at the time oh, it, it was guy. big, <laughs> you know." Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, you know, it, you kind of have to be there. But at the same time, I know that feeling of, oh, I just saw that. And now it's not there. And, oh, we just built it. And, oh, you know, that it's that kind of thing where it, it hits the pit of your stomach and you go, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think I, I I wasn't even thinking that hard about it. I was like, well, let's let's build a cairn there then. If you saw one there, let's build one there. And I think we built it, and I was like, just out of curiosity, did it look like that? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, 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 that's it exactly. <laughs> but what what made it stand out was the fact that the the beam of sunlight was coming through the woods and and fell right on it. That's what made me take note note of it. Or you know, normally it would have been like, oh, it's just another cairn of rocks I've seen and you know built by people. But the fact it was there and that beam of sunlight was on it to literally make me take notice. So I turn around and it's, and it was gone. And I was just like, Oh crap. And it wasn't anybody, you know, another person wouldn't have kicked it over. Not so and nobody yeah. was there. Anyway. No. And it would have made noise too. Absolutely. 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 So, we're, you know, we're like, it's not like we were 200 yards away from this. We're like you know, no. 15 feet away from it. Yeah. yeah. It's very close. Very yeah. close. So yeah. Time is a wonderful beast. It's yeah, that's that's wild. And I do wonder about app. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I I have a suspicion that the rules of other doesn't play by the same rules of time that we do. (laughs) No, or space. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Morgana. Go ahead. Okay, I was wondering how many apparitional experiences might be time slips. Like, cause I feel like a surprising number of them are probably a weird time slip or eddy or hole that you peek through. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I I feel like that's more common than we think it is. The expecting what you're going to see when you go to a supposedly haunted location is probably a lot of what people think of as ghosts are instead. I can't speak English today. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. That was a You're terrible speaking wolfish, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the the favorite Gettysburg ghost stories, one of the most famous ones, has to do with these people and where they had a, a field hospital in an old building. And in modern times, these people took an elevator down to the basement, and the basement doors open, and they just see this horrible scene: this, this Civil War surgery going on, you know, people writhing in pain, and you know, limbs on the floor as they're they're doing amputations and stuff. And, and uh, I forget how it ends. I mean, obviously they didn't. They got out of it somehow. I don't know if they just got back on the elevator. And it's like I'm out. But I mean, something like that is you know, like obviously you think time slip. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, they yeah. told us that one. Yeah, I remember that one. We were sitting on the steps and of that building when they were telling the story, and that's where Morgana had the hand touch her. Yeah. 
and she had got, to be all cool. I got petted on the head a couple times by a hand that then sat on my shoulder and petted my back. And I've got <laughs> two panicky eight-year-olds having to listen to this that I'm being, I'm like, literally I have my sh- arms around their shoulders and I can see all four of their hands. Right, right. <laughs> and and so like, she has to be all okay, cool, don't you panic. know. <laughs> I had heard that so many times about people getting, you know, touched or, or pushed or pinched or something uh, often on these Gettysburg ghost tours. I believe we took our kids when they were real little on one. And my son said he was, he was touched or something. Uh, you know, this is way back when, but um, I always took it as like a grain of salt kind of thing until it happened to me in Harry Springs when, when something yeah. grabbed my pack and pulled down, I went, Oh, this is what people are talking about. This is a thing. <laughs> like this was not their imagination. This no. actually happened. And, and when I it mean, happened at the time, he wasn't so flippant as he is about it now. <laughs> he was like, "Oh no!" He turned out. What was that? I was mad. I yeah, thought you, it was. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought um, it was your your guest guy behind yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I I literally whipped around like you know, don't mess with me, dude. You know, kind of thing. But he was rolling a cigarette. It was not him. Yeah, that. That's that. Yeah. 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 That was one of the things we discussed while Morgana was smoking outside of the hotel room (laughs) while the kids were having too much sugar and not sleeping. Mom, it touched me. And I'm like, really? Yes. Yes. It it kept doing it. (laughs) I would say, oh, no. And not you did on. nudge me with your foot trying to get my attention, but of course, eyes. I gave you yeah, huge bug eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I looked back, I didn't see anything, which is good because then I would have had to sit there and be cool and be like, "Oh, I didn't see anything. I'm just sitting here." I do yeah. wonder if it's not a mechanism of like the whole purpose of a ghost tour is to like tell and share scary stories, and if there isn't a collective energy that's poltergeisting. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that might be entirely what's happening at the Iron Bridge. Yeah, I mean, it. You're all of it's the Iron Bridge and the ghost tours are all full of intent, and we found that intent is a very, very powerful thing in the places we've gone to. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, positively. And I mean, intent room. has to do with magic and intent has to do with the other. It just, they go hand in hand. Exactly. Exactly. And Chad also likes to be intense. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the bad pun. I was waiting for the bad pun. And I deliver. Yes, you do. At least once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And in tarps. <laughs> lean twos yeah. yeah lean twos but not larps no not larps no larps no larping for me no. okay so here's one i'm going to share with you guys so the gentleman i talked to about the uh, history of the sax bridge you know he's very very much into gaysburg and the civil war he actually does some reenacting and um He's like, he doesn't believe in ghosts. He's like, there, there are no ghosts on Gettysburg. You know, I've been all over the battlefield in my uniform and I, I've never had anything happen, anything, had anything happen. Well, they do a reenactment of the Gettysburg Address 
somewhere near, they really don't know where the Gettysburg Address happened. So they pick a, the spot they do it in is, is close to it. And he was in the color guard and he was holding the flag, you know, behind as, as, a re, as the uh, Abraham Lincoln reenactor is giving the Gettysburg Address. And he said he's standing there and he felt somebody reach into his cartridge belt where a Union soldier would have kept you know, their cartridges for their gun. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I know exactly what that feels like because I've been in reenactments where I'm shooting the gun, you know, we're reenacting a battle and somebody has ran out of cartridges and they, they reached into my cartridge belt to take one. And he goes, I felt this hand reach into my cartridge belt and I thought it was the guy beside me messing with me. And he goes, I'm reaching down and I'm trying to swat it away. And he said this went on for like probably like almost two to three minutes where he kept feeling his hand, but then he realized there was nothing there. And I said to him, I said, well, do you think it was a ghost? What do you think? He goes, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't a ghost. But I'm like, how else are you going to explain that? <laughs> I said, I said, you know, he's like, it's, I'm, I'm not, it wasn't a ghost. There's no way, you know? And I'm like, then it didn't happen. He goes, well, it did happen. I, I felt somebody reach into my, into my cartridge. What is belt. it? An invisible man? I, I don't know. It and was. It was. It was. But I found it funny that here is a man of, he's a very much a man of science. You know, he's an engineer. But he couldn't wrap his head around or accept the fact that it might have been something other. You know? And uh, I found that very interesting. You know, he's like, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a ghost, but, you know, I felt somebody really reach into my cartridge. And I said, was there anybody behind you? He said, no. He said, there was nobody behind you. And, you know, he has to stand in intention with all these people watching this reenactment. Yeah. And he's like, I'm reaching down and swatting, trying to swat away this, this other guy's hand. He goes, but I felt nothing. And it, it wasn't the other guy. So. Yeah, and those flags are heavy too because I used oh, yeah. to do color guard for for Girl Scouts, and yeah, the yeah, yeah, and I, and I just I just found that you know I, I laughed when he said that, and I said, well, you know, I could give you an explanation, but you're not going to believe me or like it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think it was a trickstery guy that was yeah. just like, hey, this dude has to like stand here and look cool, and all these people are looking at him. And he's pretending to be behind a president. I'm going to yeah. mess with him. Or, you know, <laughs> if you look at the time slip, maybe somebody that was fighting the battle in a different time saw him yeah. standing there and was reaching and figured, for cartridges. Yeah. Figured he was, he was okay. So he's, he's not shooting. I need him. <laughs> so yeah. right. I don't know. But That's if funny. you are in Gettysburg at the right time, you may run into multiple Lincoln re reenactors the same day. I've always had this fantasy of trying to get him to fight. <laughs> Epic rap there, battle. He has he is really talking shit about you, buddy. <laughs> our our link our Lincoln guy did not show up. He so was, he didn't come. It was sad. he didn't show up for the children. So we took him and got ice cream. We fed him so much ice cream that time. That mm. you, know, you know why? <laughs> Lincoln is my third cousin, thrice removed. So he's always late. He's <laughs> Whatever grandmother we share, we must have gotten that from them. 
Yeah, you are late. <laughs> Tim time. Yeah, yeah. You arrive precisely when you mean to, right? <laughs> yeah. We, I had this um, when I worked at the the music store. They called it Tim time, and it, it it applied to two things. It applied to my actual timing when playing music, which is apparently, um, Preblin, who's played with me for years, has described me as a broken metronome. Metronome. Says, you're always <laughs> off, but you're you're always off the same way every time. So you're like a br- broken metronome. But uh, it applied to that. But it also applied to the fact that. I got there when I got there, but if I got there 20 minutes late, I'd give him 20 minutes at the end of the day, you know, cleaning or whatever, you know, so it was, I was kind of on flex time there. They called it Tim time. <laughs> I dig it. I have the opposite. I have Morgana time at work, which is I show up 15 minutes before my shift, no matter what, because not out of like a sense of like I'm so gung ho, just because I'm like, yeah, something crazy is going to have happened in there that's going to take that extra fifteen minutes to fix. Yep, yep. Restaurant people know that. Mm. We know, we know something terrible has happened before we get there. Like, not, not casting aspersions on my coworkers. They're amazing, but like, there's somebody will not have gotten to the prep dishes, you know today and we're slow enough we haven't had a dishwasher sometimes and i hate doing dishes so i'm just gonna go in early and do them yeah. so i don't have to do them at night so i can go home earlier or so you don't have to do them during shift in case you get busy yes which is horrible prep sh- always horrible. during prep prep dishes during shift no i'm not scrubbing 80 gallon stock pots crusted with things while i'm trying to cook yeah, that's no. that's bad. No, very bad. Me either. <laughs> I refuse to eat in a restaurant that has those dish has my food cooked in those dishes with crusted with things. <laughs> I know that's why that's why we they have to be washed. I don't want to do it during shift. It has to all be sparkly when everybody comes in. Well, you, you also you, you also you inspect all the pots, Chad, before you eat in any place. I try to, but they don't let me in. <laughs> you it's also an come, open kitchen, so you gotta just have come it in look with a doily. Chad's donning the white gloves as he go, walks through the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come in with a dolly full of empty boxes of wine, and or we'll something. let you in. Yeah. Oh, hey, it's uh, it's the delivery dude. Late. What are you doing, man? Come on, uh, in. go in the back. You know. Okay, not a problem. <laughs> as I put on the white glove. <laughs> I guarantee you, you don't really want to do that in any restaurant you've ever been. To. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, m- most of you just kind of have to put it out of your mind. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, even the the really nice ones and the clean ones, there's still there's things. My uh, my instructor for uh, sanitation did not eat out ever, mm. ever. I think there was like one restaurant he ate out at. He also never ate sushi or rare beef or eggs. He just never. I don't. I don't know that he ate really. Honestly, if you, I'm, if you got a degree in food sanitation and had to teach it at like chef school, I would just be ruined at that point, or I would just say screw it. If everything is <laughs> going to kill me, I'm going to eat everything. Eat yeah, you'd Anthony Bourdain it is yes, what you do. Yes, I would. 
Yeah, he. I kind of. This do man anyway. was 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 way too paranoid for the Anthony Bourdain sort of way of doing things. Now we've really gone far afield. Yes, we have. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's no worries. On me. No worries <laughs> my at fault all. This time. That's all right. Things happen. Usually to us. And them. And Man, them. They have things happen. They have so many oh, yeah. things happen, yes. Yeah, yeah and we never ask for it, neither. We never ask for it, neither. No, you just wander around where you know things will happen. <laughs> no, we, no, no. Let's make a correction here. There have been times where we've gone out specifically just to go for a hike. And we didn't think something was going to happen. And then something but happened. Something okay. happened. I can yes. see that. You have you were also in the things just happen to you then. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Tim, how many times have we ever been anywhere where nothing's happened? Um, so basically, my line is that, um, and this is honestly so, so people will believe us when things do happen, is that uh, more often than not, nothing happens i i don't know the actual math but honestly it happens more than than i think most people would would be comfortable believing let's put it that way yeah <laughs> no i understand that i mean that's why i don't tell all of my stuff all the time, even though I have a podcast, because if everybody heard all of it, they'd be like, "Yeah, you crazy, right. for yeah. real, <laughs> for You're so real. crazy." <laughs> yeah, because oh, you you guys can't, you know, you, like can't go out without something happen. Well, depending on the time and where we are, you know, sometimes that's kind of true. You know, <laughs> but you know, it's it's hard. I try not to make to put too many rules on it. Or, or predictions or, or do the math. No, because whenever I go out, whenever we go out, I try not to bring intentions with me. And that way, like I said before, so things just happen on their own. Yeah, I, I don't go out with any preconceived notions. You know, I do my best to do that. Right. So we're not influencing whatever is there, if there is anything there, you know, I mean, there's certainly been times that we've been to like, you know, so we've had great success at Harry Springs, but mm -hmm. there's been times where we've been there. It's just been like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There. So it's, it's not, I don't think it's entirely us. Let's put it that way. You know, cause at the, at some point we expected pretty much every time we're going to go to Harry Springs, something's going to happen, but there's definitely been times we've been there. It's like, eh, you know, yeah, it's been, it's had its quiet moments. Yeah. It's like, site seven as well. Site seven. Yeah. Not for us, for Chad and I, for, it's pretty, been pretty consistent for us. But when Sarai came down and when Josh came up, they were, but I could tell they were both very disappointed because, <laughs> you know, they'd heard the podcast and stuff. It's like, but I can't make a dance for you. I'm sorry, and yeah, you know, Soraya had a had a long exposure camera. I tend to think that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, he's he's trying to figure out what these lights are, so he's gonna you know take a picture, and I I, I don't think it likes that quite honestly. Um, as silly as that sounds, it's just I don't know. think it sounds silly. I don't think I, I think they're the intelligent. Is, 
it doesn't... We're not allowed to take pictures. Yeah. That's that's why all the photos suck of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really I mean, do think that. I because I, I don't know if it's an I don't know if it's a conscious it's the other has decided we don't get to have pictures or if it's just a side effect of whatever makes up the other's existence yeah, affects cameras negatively. Right. Or it's a vibrational frequency that, or, that yeah. we can see, but cameras don't do well with or, you know, They're yeah, what it is, yeah. but cameras and the other don't get along. Well, maybe it's because cameras don't have a brain. That might That's be what it. I think it is. That's what I think it is. Cameras aren't conscious. Mm. Um, you know, I both Morgana and I have managed to photograph lights, um, and they're not very impressive. No, no. They're, the people have asked me, like, why don't you take pictures of these lights at Site Seven or film them? We have. They look like little white dots in the in the darkness. That's not yeah. what we're seeing. We're yeah. we're seeing dancing colors and and all this like wonderful stuff. And we take a picture, and it's like a little white dot of light mm -hmm. in the wood. Yeah, it's yeah. Morganas were two red orbs that when you know you blow them up, they become blobs. Yep, They're exactly. Red blobs. Um, the color stayed though, and then mine was there were all kinds of colors and things that happened in it that was happening in front of my face. But as I was looking at it through the camera, it looked the same as when I was looking at it. You know, <laughs> doing this dance of oh, I'm looking in the camera. I'm looking at the the out the window and then i photographed it and the colors were all off and strange i was afraid yeah. to video it though yeah <laughs> it's like i i didn't want to considering I what why. i what it looked like i didn't want to video it i was like you know is this the with the with the people yeah it's the yeah, one that looks you like their people take the video of the people the shiny the, people the shining yeah. people and the lights that hang out in your woods do not take video of that just don't mom jesus yeah, the, sh the shiny people will no longer be happy if you do that yes That's, yes that is my paranoia she has outside her house constantly there are lights and now there are shining human figures in there only in the spring they haven't come back so and they'll no I, longer be happy and they'll no longer be holding hands I yeah. write and I'm just like waiting for the day she calls me at three in the morning goes they're standing right outside my bedroom window and they're tapping on the glass and like what am I going to do at that point <laughs> drive up with a crowbar and be like cold iron let's go hopefully I but I don't really want to try that <laughs> no it's probably a bad choice That's, I don't really want to try this yeah, exactly. I will because you're my mom and I'm going to be like, you leave my mom alone. But like, just don't antagonize whatever the lit up. Exactly. That's why room. I didn't video it. I really didn't you're think the picture would come out at all. And it didn't really. I've given up at this point. Like, <laughs> just given up trying to trying to photograph or video this stuff. Yeah, I, I think I took some pictures when we were seeing the lights on our winter hike down in the valley. And they were mm -hmm. yellow, and the color came through. But when, like you said, when you blow them up, they were just blobs. Yeah. Of color. When yeah. I was just taking pictures, it was getting dark. We were at Harry Springs one night, and I was just snapping pictures, just trying to get anything. And I'm looking at my camera screen, and I saw an orb come over my shoulder, like in the viewfinder. It, it came from that direction. Obviously, I didn't see behind me. Right. But it came from that direction, and I and it just came. And it was the clearest orb I've ever seen. I'm sitting here, you know, trying to take the pictures, 
by the time I snapped the picture, it was it was either gone or it just didn't show up at all in the photograph. But it was the clearest, most perfect orb I've ever seen anywhere. And it just, yeah. just came right over my shoulder and off into the woods. Yeah, I, and that's that's the other thing is, you know, people you show photographs of or of lights or orbs, they're like, That's that's on your camera. I like Right, right. Jackass. I was looking at it with my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't looking at it through the lens. Well, it's like that in the, the latest on site episode Chad and I did, we we saw a UFO and we're you know, it's unidentified and it was flying. That's all I can tell you. But I had people seriously tell me, like people who did not see it, that was a drone. Oh yeah. It was not a drone. Like yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was not a drone. That was a drone. No. Okay. All right. I don't yeah, know what just to tell. like those red yeah. lights that Morgana took the photographs. Oh, that was a drone. A hundred feet over her head that she couldn't hear. That makes blobby lights. Hmm, that's weird. That's a weird mm. drone. Yeah, the the lights we saw at Christmas in 2019 over, you know, the city of Athens, dancing around, being all weird. Other people saw them too, it turned out. We found out later. Um, Which was nice. Like, that was actually yeah, really nice. Yeah, and, <laughs> no. and a totally different part of the city saw them. Um. But, you know, I was telling people, and they were like, oh, those must have been drones. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. they don't I, fly like that. They don't, oh, whatever, you know, whatever, it, people. It's, I mean, it's literally as rude as telling somebody who saw Bigfoot that it was a, a guy in a gorilla suit. It's like, really? Like, really? Don't, <laughs> you you, don't you know that guys in gorilla suits hang out all over, like, you know, rural Pennsylvania? That's what they yeah, do. Exactly. They just or do that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> or it was a bear. Is a bear? You know, you're telling a hunter, no, no, dude, you saw a bear. Like, people know what bears look like. They know what bears look like. They know what bears look like. <laughs> yeah, I mean the 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 people I'll I'll give a pass to are the ones who see a, a bear with mange and don't know what it is and think it's a cryptid. I I mm -hmm. feel for those people. Yeah, because okay. if you see a picture of a a poor bear who has no hair at all, well. Yeah, that it does look scary. like okay. something that you have no idea what that is. There was a coyote with mange around my parents' farm. This is like 20 years ago or more. That was making the news. People were like, what is this? What is this? I was like, oh, it's it's some kind of animal with mange. I didn't know for sure if it was a coyote or a dog or what. But uh, yeah, they look freaky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. I wasn't a coyote or a fox with mange in like 2014 or 13 confused for chupacabra for a while there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Down in, down in Texas and uh, Louisiana, they were, they were getting coyotes with mange hit on the road or shot and oh, that's chupacabra. I'm like, nah, nah. I remember the Puerto Rican chupacabra had spines down his back and looked kind of like a reptile and had glowing eyes and would go through a whole chicken coop and, you know, Five minutes. <laughs> I remember that. Mm. I remember that specifically. Did not look like a mangy dog. But yeah, people, people are real weird about the lights if you tell them about it. Yeah, yeah. People well, I mean, it's, it's natural to want to to explain stuff. I guess is natural, but you also have to like, you know, at some point. Well, that's why I'm glad. Like when we took John up to Site Seven. 
he was you know pretty skeptical to the point where he was like take me up there i'll tell you what you're seeing like, okay <laughs> okay dude. All right. so we, I'm, I'm fearless i'll take him up. and and i told him you know when we were there he's like i, I don't know i think i'm seeing him i was like don't do that to yourself you're, there will be no question about it when you see them like don't sit there and go i think i might be seeing them because then you're not so you'll know when you see him just give yourself time wait and we'll let your eyes adjust and you'll know him when you see him and then he was like oh you're right you know when he finally did and then you know by the end of the night he's like i don't know what these are i'm like okay that's all <laughs> he's reaching out trying to touch them as they came up to him yeah yeah he was he was uh wow firmly convinced so but uh yeah i'm not i'm you know i'll take anybody there i'm not i'm not afraid of it i know what what we've seen but i can't make it dance you know if it doesn't yeah. happen it doesn't happen yeah josh has said i want to come to athens i want to see those things he said but you know they probably won't show up if i come <laughs> I said, well, yeah, and I, you know, yeah that might be part of that kind of mindset going into it mm -hmm. might be part of it you know it just when I was there with Josh and, and Sarai, and Sarai came down. He came down once in March, and then came again when when Josh was here. When Josh and I did the X Files convention, Sarai came down, and both times we went out there. And the only way I could, it's like it was dead out there. It was just like nothing. Like the whole feeling was different. It was like nothing. But uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? This this stuff doesn't work by our timetable. No, no, it's not a dancing monkey. It's not gonna, it's not gonna perform on on demand. It just it happens when it happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, I look out my bedroom window at three in the morning and go, "Oh yeah, they're out there." Okay, close the <laughs> curtains, go to sleep. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I don't have them at the house. Just yeah, it's I don't have not... to think about. It. I mean, it's not like the the place where we used to live, the falling down the hill house, where the little boogers would come in the house. That was bad. I didn't like it. Mm. That was that was very creepy. Um, and I had a cat that would chase them, and that was that was weird and strange. So, I'm glad that that doesn't happen anymore. So. I say this now, <laughs> probably cursing myself. You have more lights in Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, why don't you explain what a witch cloud is? Oh, yes. Yes. So Because that we was there, a term I, mean, I had never heard before, and I think it's really cool. We were experiencing, you know, multiple phenomena. So, so some of the witnesses we were talking to... And in fact, the first place I ever heard about this, I was at a paranormal convention in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is a good distance away from Gettysburg, but there were some ghost hunters there and they were talking about, you know, the scariest place they'd been in Gettysburg. And they said Suicide Bridge is by far the scariest place. And they went on to describe something banging on the bridge. And me being a Bigfoot maniac, think, I'm thinking, well, Bigfoot bangs on stuff. You know, this is before the whole wilderness guys, Bigfoot poltergeist theory that, that, you know, Josh and Soraya and I came up with. Soraya gets very put out when I don't mention that he was part of that. <laughs> so uh, in any case, um, 
this is before that, but you know, so I'm thinking, well, that's that, you know, Bigfoot bangs on stuff. Are we are you sure it wasn't a cryptid? This is what I'm thinking. And then we go out there and, and we meet this couple in the bridge, and they start talking about things hitting the ground uh, beneath the bridge. Like you can hear something hitting the ground. And then we're hearing wood knocks. We're literally hearing like some of the knocks we were hearing were coming from the bridge, but some of the knocks we were hearing were coming from the woods around the bridge. Like, you know, we've heard wood knocks in the woods sound like wood on wood. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's what it sounds like. And this is what it, what it sounded like, you know, wood on wood coming from the areas around the bridge. And the woods not very deep there. This is, I mean, if you look at, I have a hand drawn map in the book, but if you call it up on, on Google satellite, you can see that it's not deep woods there. So, um, you know, probably not a, a, a group of monkey men breeding in the woods there. But they're describing these things that, that sound like cryptid activity, um, including seeing something with very long arms. The, the witness says they had very, very long arms. And uh, he said no head. And I honestly don't know whether he meant like it was crouched over or it was headless. Um, right. But I didn't know what he meant. He didn't see the head, or or if it was like literally like a headless ghost. But in any case, he said it was it was wider than Chad and I standing together, and very tall, taller than either one of us, and had arms that hung down way longer than than human arms. And of course, it was a ghost to him. But in any case, I'm thinking, well, this all sounds like cryptid stuff. This sounds like a lot of cryptid stuff. And then we're getting these other stories, and we're getting weird lights there. And weird sounds that, that don't seem, at least to me, to be ghosts. And once Chad, you know, kind of sort of brought up this vampiric idea, it kind of, it hit something in my, you know, photographic folklore memory. where I was like, this sounds very familiar. And there is something in Pennsylvania folklore called the witch cloud. And there's a wonderful folklorist, Henry W. Shoemaker, who did some wonderful work with folklore in Pennsylvania. Uh, some of it is historically shaky. And, and when he gets into like German language stuff or Pennsylvania Dutch language stuff, uh, he kind of plays fast and loose with that. So you kind of have to watch his translations of that stuff. But he did record a lot of, a lot of folklore and, and for that did an incredible service for, for the state in general and, and people interested in this stuff. In an article from the Altoona Tribune on March 20th, 1939, he describes this phenomenon called a witch cloud, where all these different things were happening in one place. And this is a quote, where the witch cloud hovers, anything may happen, even a specter elk, a werewolf, or even a brooklock, as the very old Pennsylvania mountain people call a vampire, all of which reminds one of George H. Burroughs' deathless description of the Estadia of Spain, and then he quotes George H. Burrow within his quote. He says, the Estadia are spirits of the dead who ride, up, ride upon the haze bearing candles in their hands. So it was this idea, what was happening is they were getting multiple phenomena in this, this one place around this one creek that he was talking about. And one of the, the you know, older gentlemen that lived around there described it, said this, this witch cloud and that all of this paranormal stuff comes out of the witch cloud. So the fact that we were getting all this phenomena that was happening around the bridges. Some stuff sounded like cryptid stuff. We were getting weird lights, uh, you know, weird sounds, definitely poltergeist kind of stuff with bangs on the bridge and, and so forth. 
And uh, once Chad mentioned, you know, the very idea, like, like that was something was drawing off of us and we get this vampiric notion, it, it just clicked for me. I was like, oh, it's like the witch cloud. And uh, so that's where the name comes from. This is the idea that multiple things are happening in one place, multiple paranormal things. Is the most picturesque I, name for a window area I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. know, I know. I, I'm, that's it's beautiful. I I can't think of another. I'm sure there's something in in fairy folklore that describes the same thing, but I, but as far as like you know, local folklore, I can't think of anything else that describes that kind of idea where these multiple things are happening at once. So yeah. It's, uh, so it's a wonderful bit, I, and I just stumbled onto it because I'm I'm obsessive about folklore. Did he also, say if it came from German? I mean, he was talking about the, you know the German people. Um, so I'm wondering if I'll have to look it up and see if I can find something similar in German folklore. Yeah. So you know the Pennsylvania Dutch. You want to look for the Alsace, Switzerland, Austria, Germany. That that like region there that's right yeah bavaria yeah yeah it also helped that there was a a little lot of mist there all the time too Mm -hmm. yeah there was always some mist there seems to be even during the day yeah yeah i mean poetically i think that works with it you know certainly that is that is a beautiful poetic description of i mean window area is is you know it's a perfectly good term it's so utilitarian it, it, it is it's very utilitarian <laughs> it's not nearly as pretty and, and I it, think it makes total sense it, well it makes total sense that our that you know our ancestors in folklore would have talked about the same thing you know a window area not and had a term for it yeah, yeah. a term for everything else you know yeah yeah I like, I like that window area. It yeah, needs it's the prettier. poetry. The other needs the poetry. I think you're right. I think, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look at fairy lore and the, the importance of poetry and ballads and music and art to the fairy stories. You know, that's... Everything, everything has flash and flair. Yes. yes. Glamour. Yes. Glamours. Yep. The better term. Yep. Well, is there anything else that we should we should touch upon before we we um, say goodbye? For anyone who's confused that we're on episode like two eighty one or something of Strange Familiars <laughs> and we're talking about episode three hundred. Um it's a slip in time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <There you> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did a time slip it's, it's uh, basically, all happening at once i didn't want to wait any longer i was getting so excited that this and, and you know <laughs> i i finished it up in the fall and i was just like you know what let's just you know I, for a while i wasn't sure i was going to get it done in time for episode 300 and i was like i don't know i don't know and i was like rushing 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 and then when it became clear that i was going to get it out early it's like well, why make everyone wait so we'll drop it early and then those who want to get it so this is, unlike other podcasts, every episode of Strange Familiars, every regular episode, you know, comes in free the way other podcasts do on, on your podcatcher or, or from strangefamiliars.com. This was a, you know, because it's a multimedia project and we wanted to do something really special, it is uh, available from 
the Stone Breath, that's my band, the Stone Breath Bandcamp site. So stonebreath.bandcamp.com. And uh, there's like over three hours of audio. It's If you get the version with the book, you get a hardcover book and a patch and a sticker. And uh, so it's a, you know, it's kind of a special project. Uh, so it's, it won't be in the regular feed for, for Strange Familiars if you just get the regular shows every week. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's a special project for so special circumstances. Yep. And it, it would make a good holiday gift. I'm just going to say that because I gifted it to Morgana. So she got an early holiday gift and, and it was awesome. Um, yes. Well, thank it's, you it so was. much. Thank you. And, and people can find us at strangefamiliars.com if you want to just, you know, contact us. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming and talking with us and, you know, not minding that, you know, we went off the rails several times yeah. at <laughs> least, wow. at least a few times. Um, that's, that's what makes a podcast. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, you're always welcome as always. And it was great to have you. So well, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the six degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.